Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you. We ask that you guide and lead as we look at the word and what you'd have us to, to see from this. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 11, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter. We're going to finish Galatians this week, and then we'll be moving into Ephesians next week. Ephesians is a book on very heavy and positional truth, which we'll talk more about next week, what that means. Uh, we've talked about positional truth in the past, but we'll define it more next week. Starting at verse 11. You see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand? As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to the to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy and upon Israel, the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. And amen. Unto the Galatians written from Rome. We're going to look at this. Uh, first off, in verse 11, Paul says that he has actually written this letter. Now, that may sound funny to you because we've got so many books of Paul, but normally Paul dictated his letter to a scribe or a secretary, we would call, we would call them, and they typed it up, which is why some of his letters are really eloquent and some of them are very basic because the secretary changed the language to <laughs> proper English, or in his case, Greek. Uh, and this is one of the things secretaries do for, for their bosses in most cases. The boss dictates a letter, and the secretary takes his thoughts <laughs> and his words and changes the words around sometimes to be proper English. Uh, my, my mother was a yeoman in the Navy, which is a secretary, and that's what she would do. She would take the dictation and she would <laughs> Put the words in the right order that makes it, you know. And if you see on TV, sometimes they'll say, you know, and so and so and so and so, and they're, they're telling the circle, you know what to say, you know how to give them the right title, you know, you know how to sign it off properly, you know, and they're giving them the points. And this is what Paul's saying: I wrote this one myself, <laughs> and apparently his handwriting was large. It was, you know, he's saying, see how large a letter you I have written in my writing. So usually he dictated. So we just want to explain that sentence to you as you understand it. Then he goes, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should be suffer for the persecution of the cross. A fair show of the flesh. You know, how many times have we even done that? Tried to look good to everybody in what I can do. Look, you know, look at me, I'm somebody does, you know, you know, look at me, I'm good. You know, maybe we even told our kids that. Now, unfortunately, they knew who we really were. Uh, huh? Oh. <laughs> but, but Paul is saying, you know, there are many out there, and he's talking about the Judaizers in this case. And remember, we've talked about the Judaizers so many times. 
they would come in after Paul got done preaching grace and God's mercy and the fact that everything was Jesus dying on the cross and no and not it was a, a gift of God no works involved the Judaizers would come around and said Paul's message was really good but anytime you hear a pastor or a teacher give you a, this is good but you know and they're talking about anything more than Jesus Christ then you better beware of what they're saying because it is literally all Christ and this is what's so important you know and it happens in churches all across this country all across you hear it on the radio you hear it on TV you hear it in pulpits all across the, you know Jesus is the way to salvation but you've got to do these things to really please God well no that's what they want you to do now as you read the scriptures you're gonna find things that God's telling you you should be doing but it's not to get to heaven it's not to make him happy with you. It's just to be spiritual. You will do certain things beyond salvation. And if anybody comes along and says, here's your list of things you've got to do, beware. Because that's their list. You know, have you ever learned something to do, how to do something, you've tried to teach somebody else and they have their own way of doing it? You know, and that may or may not be good or bad. If it gets the right answer, then it works for them. The, the way you get to it is not necessarily only one way. Yeah. This happens a lot of times in the business world. They go, this is how I got my million dollars and this is how you've got to get yours. You know? Every millionaire has their own story. Matter of fact, every person has their own way of doing a lot of different things. It was amazing to me when I, was in, when I went to business college and, and all of a sudden they told me that all these things that I had learned to do on my own had formulas and people had already figured out. You know, and I had to learn it the hard way, <laughs> teaching myself. All I had to do was go to school and take a class, and they would have taught me how to do everything I taught myself. You know, did I do it exactly the way those other, other classes did? No, but I, I understood what they were talking about. And this is true. This is true for us. God is going to work on our heart on what sin is and what we need to clear out. Because each one of us have sins that are a hard part in our life, that are really big in our life. And they're hard for us to get rid of. And have you ever looked at somebody and said, why are they having so much trouble with that sin? It was so easy. I got rid of it in no time. Or I've never had a problem with it. Why are they having a problem with it? Well, you know, if they were looking at us, they'd probably say the same thing. Why are they having such a problem with that area when it was so easy to deal with? We've got to be careful about that because it's all grace. It's the grace of God. For by grace are we saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And a lot of people are afraid of that message because, especially those of the pastors, are afraid that if they give people the grace to do what they want, that for some reason they're going to go out and sin to their heart's content. You know, if somebody can go out and sin to their heart's content, there's something wrong with them. They don't know God if they can go out and sin and not feel conviction and not feel convicted. I have no problem giving people grace because I know darn well that if you want to go out and sin, and you, and you know God, you're not going to feel very good sinning. I don't have to be there trying to tell you, here's your list of rules. God's going to take care of that for us. And this is saying they want to, they want to glory in their flesh. They want, to, they want to make themselves look good. The flesh always wants to make itself look good. All of us have to deal with that problem. Even the most humble person usually takes pride in how humble they are. You know, I'm really humble. <laughs> you know, well, okay, you just blew your humility with your, your pride and your humility. But we all have some place where we want to look good. 
that we want to make sure that we, everybody sees that we can handle this, this area of life really well. We all struggle in that area. It has to be crucified. And this is what Paul's saying. Those who want you, want to make a show on their faith, they want to get people circumcised. Why did they want to get people circumcised? So they could glory. So they could glory, they could compare. You know, I'm doing better in this area than this person. Look at this, I'm really good. I'm better than all these, you know, these people. You know, we always tend to try to do that in, in many cases. Uh, I, I, I'm better here, but not here. You know, trying to feel, see how good I am by comparing myself to other people. You know, we do it. We all do it in some area of our life. We all do it. You know, I, I pray better than most. I, I study the Bible better than most. I don't go out and I drink. I don't go out and I do drugs. I don't go out and you know, cheat on my wife. You know, I'm very faithful. You know, pick your, pick your thing. Everybody has something they look at and say, I'm, I'm really good at this. But you know, the thing about this is that there's always somebody better than us in everything. And God does not grade us on a curve. God doesn't say, okay, you know, here, you know, we're going to go, whoever's 50% good is, is accepted and the other 50% are gone. You know, that doesn't, isn't how he grades. He's got one standard. He says we need to be perfect. And that's not perfect in any one area of our life. Many of us, some of us might be able to be perfect in one area of our life. I doubt it, but maybe. You know, but even if we could be perfect in one area of our life, God's saying, okay, what about all these other areas that you're not? His perfect is, his standard is absolute perfection. If we do not reach absolute perfection, we have nothing to glory in our flesh. And this is what Paul's saying. You know, God forbid that we've glory in our flesh. <laughs> because there's nothing there. And if we think we're something, God's going to kick us down to the curb and say, hey, you're not. You're in your flesh. You're nothing. We're nothing. And it's, if we really, truly come to the conclusion that we're nothing, how are we going to deal with everybody else who's nothing? Now, am I going to get critical of other people? Am I going to put them down? I'm nothing. They're nothing. All of us nothings need to come to God. <laughs> and quit trying to compare ourselves to one another. You know, if you've ever been to a, 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 usually college, sometimes high school, where they grade on a curve, everybody's always great checking their tests. You know, how good did you do? How good did you do? You know, you know uh, oh, you're the, you're the curve breaker. You're the one who scored the, the, the 100%, you know, and made everybody else have to have a high, you know, or, or you're the one that really stunk the curve out by getting a, <laughs> getting a 20. You know, it's, you know, you're sitting there comparing who's, who's who, who's better. And God is not grading us on a curve. He's saying, you're all zeros <laughs> because you're not perfect. That should free us up when we're dealing with one another. I'm not looking around trying to judge everybody and say how good or bad they are because it's all Christ. It's all Christ. And here, here in, this, in this chapter, Paul's going to reiterate. He goes, they, they're, they're circumcised themselves and they can't even keep the law. Okay, they can't keep the whole law and they're wanting you to be crucified, put under the law, circumcised. You know, why? Because they want that comparison. They want to be able to look and say, I'm better than somebody else. Especially somebody who's new at the law. Because they got it all figured out. These other people are going to struggle. They're going to look real good next to these new people in the law. And we see that so often. Well, now if you want to be a good Christian, <laughs> you know, here's your checklist. <laughs> You know, by the way, I've got all these down. I've, I've been following this checklist for 30 years, so I'm going to look real good compared to you as you're learning to follow this checklist. 
But here's your checklist to be a good Christian. That is what it's all about. That's what Paul's saying. They want you to get under the law so they look good. So they can glory and say, look how good I am. And God's saying, no. <laughs> no. And this is where Paul had earlier said that if you violate one law, you're guilty of all of them. All through the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, it says, if you violate one law, you're guilty of them all. This was a very fearful thing for the Jews. We were talking on the way up here. How many of the Jews in the Old Testament kept praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Isaiah, the God of Ezekiel? They were terrified of God because they knew that they couldn't keep the whole law and God was not a personal God to them. He was a God standing there with a baseball bat over their head. Well, not a baseball bat for them, but a big mallet waiting to hit them over the head every time they sinned. And the sad thing is many Christians have that same picture of God. God's up there in heaven just waiting to beat them over the head when they do something wrong. That's not a loving father. That is not the father that the Bible talks about. He has got grace. He knows we can't keep the law. Now he's there for those who are lost that says, here's the laws, and he bangs them over the head with the laws trying to draw them to him. But Jesus went to the cross, and this is what Paul says. He went to the cross. And I love this. I'd never really noticed this statement, but I'm going to read it to us. But God forgive that I should glory, save in the cross of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. We've talked a lot. I've talked a lot about us being crucified, our flesh being crucified, so that I am no longer drawn to the world. But this verse, he really brings it both ways. I am not drawn to the world, and the world's not drawn to me. And hopefully you've experienced this as you become a new creature, because it goes on to say that there's nothing in ourselves that's a new creature. Doesn't matter whether we're circumcised or uncircumcised, we're following the law, not following the law. It's all the gift of Christ. All of it. And you know, the wonderful thing about this, and I hope you've experienced this as, you, as you're growing, things that you used to do that you thought nothing of, all of a sudden to you become abhorrent. God, how could I have ever done such and such? Not because somebody told you you had to, not because you're beating your flesh and saying, I'm not going to do this, but you just all of a sudden, it's just awful. You can't even think of doing it. I'm, I'm seeing this now as I'm watching some of the TV. We're on, we're on, a, on our, you know, the broadcast TV, and we're watching these old shows, and I see these old shows that I used to think were okay shows. And then I'm looking at them and saying, how could they have ever thrown this stuff out in the 50s and 60s and gotten away with it? It's against God. It's against his principles. These are shows that I watched. <laughs> and now God has moved me beyond them and said, no, you can't even watch those. Am I saying all TV is bad? No. I'm getting to the place where I'm believing that, but that's for each individual to pick up on. But we've all got something in our life where God is changing it. We're growing spiritually. We're becoming a new creature. He's crucifying areas of our life. And he says, you used to be able to do this, but now you can't. You used to be able to do this, and now you can't. 
Could I make up a long list of all the things you're supposed to do if you want to be like me? Yeah, wouldn't do you a bit of good, but I could make up a long list. You each, each of us could do this. We can make up a list of everything God has told us we can't do, but it would do nobody else any good because it's our list. God tells us, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean our literal salvation on how to get to heaven. He's talking about our sanctification. And he's going to go through the scriptures, and, and you're reading the scriptures, and all of a sudden a scripture jumps out at you and says, pay attention to me. <laughs> you know, you can't do this anymore. <laughs> There's many things in my life that I don't share, share with a lot of people that God says, you can't do this anymore. Why don't I share them with you? Because I don't want to put anybody else under legalism to, to try to be like me. I won't want you to try to make me be like you. If I'm doing something that God has given me permission and he hasn't given you permission, then you just praise God and you say, you know, God, thank you. There's many areas in my life that I'm not allowed to do things, and I, and I watch others do it, and God hasn't convicted them. I used, I, you know, we use different things, you know, something like smoking or gambling. There's no verse in the scriptures that say, thou shalt not smoke, thou shalt not gamble. But for some people, both of them are, 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 are sins, and for some people, they're not sins because God hasn't convicted them of it. I can't smoke. <laughs> it would be a problem for me to smoke. I think, it's, I think in the scriptures given it that it would be a sin. If somebody else doesn't, that's between them and God. You know, this is all of where we're at. What is sin for each one of us? What God tells us. Now, there's some that are very clearly sinned. Thou shalt not. So, you know, we've got a lot of thou shalt not. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit murder. You shall not, you know, lie with a woman as a, a man as a man or a woman as a woman or, or homosexuality, bestiality. There's a whole bunch of thou shalt nots, and there's no question there that those are sins. Okay? So we want to be able to say there are places that we know are sin. But if we wanted God to write a book and tell us every single sin that we could possibly commit for all of time, None of us would ever read the book. It would be bigger than this room. You know, it would be a full library in and of itself. God gives us principles to live by. And that's what he's saying. Work out your salvation. Look at these principles. The Bible tells us that the body is a temple. And there's a lot of people who take that verse and say, if you overeat, you're, you're committing a sin. If you're, if you're smoking, you're committing a sin. If you take drugs, you're committing a sin. And, you know, and, they, and they take that verse, and, and maybe rightfully so, if God has convicted them, that it's a problem. But to try to say, you take this verse and you apply it this way, is not right. And so we want to look at this. And he's, Paul says, God has put the cross. He's crucified the world to us. And there's going to be places where the world is abhorrent to us. We just look at that sin, sin and it just repulses us. And then there's going to be, the world's going to be repulsed by us. When we're living for God, the world is going to have a problem with us. And this, I've, I've said this over and over, we don't even have to speak for God if we're living for him and he's living in us because we bring his spirit into every situation. And it was fun being in charge of a business, you know, of, of, a, of a store and bringing God into the business. I never had to tell people they couldn't use God's name in vain because God's spirit convicted them. I never, I never went after people. As a matter of fact, if they use God's name, oh, I'm sorry, Ralph, I didn't mean to do that. I had never told any one of them they couldn't do it. But I set an example that I wasn't going to do it and professionalism and God's spirit in there 
convicted people. How many of you have family members that just don't want to be around you? Not because you preach at them all the time, but they know you're a Christian. You bring God's spirit in. You may not realize it, but you're bringing God's spirit into the, around them, and they feel uncomfortable. They feel uncomfortable because God has been brought in the midst of their sin, and you don't have to say a word. They're going to push you back. They're going to push you away. They don't want to be around you. Not because you're preaching at them and trying to get them saved or all that. You've, hopefully you've done that at least once in their, in their experience, you know, but, but not because you're sitting there always hammering on them, but you bring the presence of God into their situation and convict them. The world has been crucified to us and, and, and us to the world. The world doesn't want to have anything to do with us because we bring Christ into it. We bring his attitude. We bring him into it. And if you've got somebody in your family who just gives you a hard time, who's not saved, you know, love them. <laughs> love them. Because the reason they're having a problem with you is because you bring God into their presence. It's like bringing a bright light into a darkness. And we've talked about this. We're to be the light to the world. You bring a bright light anywhere, anywhere in this valley is still dark enough. You bring a light out there and people see it for miles. You bring a lantern to a, to a campsite and that shines in, over the whole campsite. We can put a lamp, 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 lantern in the middle of this room right now and you're barely going to know that there was a light there because this room is not real dark. But we bring God's light in the middle of everything. Right now with all of us here together that are, that are Christians, we don't see or feel that light because we all have a portion of that light and that, that presence. But once we leave these doors and we go to a world that's lost, the darker that darkness is, the more God's light shines. The darker the presence of the evil one is, the more God's light and love will be felt in that situation, and it will make them uncomfortable. That doesn't mean we don't open our mouths and speak once in a while. We need to do that as well. The gospel has to be heard. It said, you know, Paul said, you know, that, they, that we believe, we get faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we don't speak it, they're never going to hear. They'll feel the presence, they'll feel the need, but they also need to be told the need once in a while. That doesn't mean every time you're with them, you have to preach at them. That's a good way to lose all your friends. If you preach at them every single time you see them, you'll lose all your unsaved friends. But they do need to hear the, the gospel once in a while. They need to see that there's a difference. But it's all because we are a new creature. Our flesh has been killed and we are made a spiritual being. A spiritual being encased in a, in a body of flesh that walks around in a lot of failures because the, the flesh doesn't stay crucified. But at the same time, a spiritual being. A spiritual being that's going to give out God's message to people. And this is what Paul says. He goes, doesn't matter whether you're circumcised, which means follow the laws. It doesn't matter whether you're uncircumcised. You're not following the laws of God that are given, but a new creature. And it says, for as many, in verse 16, for as many as walk according to this rule, the rule of being crucified, peace on them and mercy upon the Israel of God. And this is kind of an interesting term if you want to think about it. The Israel of God. Because they were talking about circumcision, uncircumcision. To be circumcised, you had to be circumcised to be part of Israel. But it didn't say that you were going to be part of Israel. It said the Israel of God. 
And we want to just think about this for a moment because Paul has brought this out on many places. In Romans 2, verse 28, it says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither that is that is neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is inwardly and circumcision that is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise be is not of men but of God. And so Paul is saying that you know they Jews think that they were Jews because of circumcision. Jesus, remember when he was talking to this Jew, the Pharisees, he goes, you know, you say you're of your father Abraham, and he says, you're not of Abraham. And literally they were, of course, they were born line by line. They were literally Jews by birth. But he was saying, you are not following God in spirit. You do not have this spiritual circumcision. You're following him in word. You're following him in your, because of your birth. You know, it's amazing how many people I've met that think they're a Christian because they were born into a Christian home. Okay, it's becoming less and less, but in, especially in the 80s and 90s, that, you heard that a lot. You know, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Why are you a Christian? Oh, mom and dad were a Christian. They took me to church when I was a kid. You know, there's an old saying that God has no grandchildren. Okay? He has no grandchildren. You aren't born into being a Christian by being, having Christian grandparents. You have to make your own personal decision to be a Christian. No grandchildren in heaven for God. He's got nothing but children because you have to make it personal. And this is basically what Jesus was telling the scribes and Pharisees. You think that you're special because you were born in the right family. Now, you remember where earlier on in, in Galatians, Paul said the same thing. I'm a, you know, I'm a Pharisee. I'm all this. You know, he goes, if I want to show you my credentials, here they are. He goes, but they're worthless because it's not in Christ. Everything has to be in Christ. We all have to make a personal decision for Christ. Just coming to church every week is not going to mean that you're a Christian. Reading your Bible every day is not mean that you're a Christian. Coming to Sunday school and even teaching Sunday school does not mean you're a Christian. And you know what? There's some pastors out there that aren't Christians. They have never made a personal decision for Christ. Hopefully they will as they study and find out that they're not. But you can listen to them, some of these guys' message and know that they have no clue who God is or what God's wanting because they don't know a personal God. They might have had some godly parents, probably grew up in church, knew all the stories, but don't know God. And this is what Christianity is all about. It's a personal relationship with God. We talked earlier all through the Old Testament. It is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Isaiah, the God of Ezekiel, the God of Elijah, the God of some, you know, some other prophet, the God of my mom and dad. <laughs> Not going to get you to heaven. Not going to get you accepted by God because it's somebody else's God. And this is the problem with all religions out there. It's always the God of somebody else. I'm, not, I'm not, not a God that I can be close to. Ask, ask somebody that's, that's, a, that's a following Muhammad's religion, Islam. Now, how do you get to heaven? Well, hopefully I do enough good things to please, please the deity that I'm afraid of. And they literally are afraid of them because they never know if they've done enough. Same thing with Judaism today. Judaism has a problem. There's no temple for the sacrifices. 
They have changed the rules on how to get say, how to get please God, and it is do good things. Even though all of their scriptures tell them good things are not enough, because they can't sacrifice, they have to have a way to get to heaven. They say do good things, do more good than bad, and you're going to be okay. They're following in exactly like the rest of the rest of the religions. Christianity is the only religion out there that says you can't make it. <laughs> Quit trying. For all of sin to come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Now, if we stop there, we go, okay, we're hopeless. <laughs> you know, we, all deserve, we all deserve punishment, and that is true. We all deserve punishment. But God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And all we have to do is accept his free gift. That is what makes Christianity different. A free gift of salvation. I don't have to do things. I don't have to worry about it. All I need to have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. He comes in. He crucifies my flesh. He changes me into a new creation. God declares me as perfect the moment that happens. I work on, work on improving my life all through my lifetime. And when I die or am raptured, I will be glorified and I'll be made what God said I was in the beginning. The power of salvation, the power of Christianity is that gift that gift. I, I love it. I left it up here this week. You know, this, the thing that says, Satan knows our name but calls us by our sin, but God knows our sin and calls us, but calls us by our name. And you know what? That name is a name that he's given us. In Revelation, it tells us he gives each of us a new name, not just a new creation, but a new name that he knows, and he calls us by that name the name he's given us. It is so precious. It's all him. I am not one that's doing anything. The more I let him work through me, the more he shines out, the more we get rewarded by what he does. Because we are crucified. Our flesh is crucified. Other verses that talk about the, the, the Israel, Roman, Romans 9, 6, and 7, Galatians 3, 9, and Philippians 3, 3, they all say the same thing. They say that it's not the outward sign of, that marks you as, as, in, in, as uh, circumcised. It's what's done in the heart. Uh, Jeremiah said that God was going to give us a new heart. Remove the heart of stone. Give us a heart of flesh. And then we look at this, and it says at the very the last thing, verse 17. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He's just been talking about circumcision and non-circumcision, and here he's making an allusion to circumcision. He says, in my very body, in my heart, I bear the mark, the brand, the, the cutting of Jesus. He says, I am circumcised. He's basically saying, I am circumcised. I'm circumcised in the heart. I am already been marked by God. When he looks at me, he's going to see the mark, the brand. He called, you know, all through the scriptures, the apostles called themselves the bond slave of Christ. And a bond slave has a very specific term in the Old Testament. When somebody would get destitute and need help from somebody, they would sell themselves as a slave for up to seven years. And at the seventh year, they would have to be freed. At the end of that period of time, they could say, well, I really like being <laughs> your servant. You've been a good master. I, I like not having to worry about my own finances and all. I want to be your servant forever. 
and that was called a bond slave at that point. And they would mark that person by driving an awl through their ear and putting an earring in their ear, showing that they had chosen to be a servant. And when the apostles talk about a bond slave to Jesus, that's what they're talking about. I choose to be the servant of Jesus. Jesus, as my master, now can tell me what to do and what not to do. Because he is Lord, he is master. I am his servant, and I have chosen that servitude. Not, he didn't come in and say, you're, you know, I bought you, you're my slave. No, we chose it. We chose it. And it's a very special, privileged way to look at it. And then Paul signs off the letter with the normal grace to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And it identifies to us that he wrote this letter from Rome, which we talked about at the very beginning. And if you know that Paul being in Rome means that he is soon to die because <laughs> uh, he died in Rome. So we have finished Galatians. Next week we will start Ephesians in the Sunday morning services. We're going to bow our heads and, and pray. I want to encourage anybody, if you don't know God as your personal relationship, get to know him, ask him into your heart. I think most everybody does right here. But beyond that, I'm going to encourage you, learn to grow in him. Ask him to change you, to sanctify you, and to help you. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for each person that's here. Lord, if there's any that are sick, we ask that you come touch their, their bodies and heal them. Lord, if there's any that have emotional problems, Lord, we ask the same thing, that you give, come down and give them peace, that they will see that you're in charge, that all of this is still for your, your decision and your making. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.